morning, Living Spring. Um, and good morning to everyone online. So glad that you guys made it out. Um, and a belated Happy New Year. And I also wanted to say thank you so much for all of the prayers this past week for everyone on our team that, um, yeah, ciao, thank you for praying. Um, that was sick and we really appreciate your prayers and we've been praying for all of you as well. And we appreciate um, all of our essential workers and those working in hospitals um, and really doing what they can um, to help with this pandemic. So keep being in prayer um, and glad to have you guys all here this morning. And so as we begin, we're gonna pray one more time because we're gonna prepare our hearts to receive God's word. And I just invite everyone, let's come this morning with expectation that God, whether you've been following God um, for 30 years, 40 years, I don't know how long you've been following God, but however long you've been following God, let's expect that God is communicating to us that God wants to speak something new to us this morning. Um, so come with that expectation. So please join me in prayer. God, we thank you, Lord, that we are your beloved sons and daughters. God, that you broke through the heavens to declare that we are beloved and that you are well pleased with us. So silence any voices um, that would lie to us about who we are and whose we are and proclaim your truth over us this morning. And we pray all of this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. So I invite you, if you have a Bible or one on your phone, or you can look up here, we're going to turn to our scripture passage, which is in Luke chapter 3, um, verses 21 through 22. So it's only two verses, but there's a lot that we can unpack. So today the church around the world is celebrating Jesus' baptism. And Jesus' baptism was so important that it's in all four gospel accounts, but we're going to be really focusing on the gospel account according to Luke. And so does everyone have it? Alrighty. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'm curious what your baptism was like. Were you baptized as an infant by your family and your church family? Were you baptized in a baptismal with nice heated water or in a lake or a river or an ocean? Recall if you've been baptized, what was it like? Um, this is my baptism. That arrow is me, I have a twin sister. But I was baptized, it was very different than Jesus' baptism. It was in the Pacific Ocean, it was super cold. It was by my super hip youth pastor, Darren, if anyone knows the OC Supertones. He was the trumpet player for that band. Um, and I was 15, I wasn't 30 years old like Jesus. Um, and different than Jesus, the heavens did not break open, a dove did not descend and proclaim that I am God's beloved daughter. But I did feel a deep sense of assurance of God's love. I knew that when Pastor Darren brought me under the salty cold waves and said that I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and lifted up out of the water, 
that something was going on, that something happened, that I was deeply loved and treasured by the king of the universe. Um, and so although my baptism was different than Jesus's, something special was going on. Um, so I want you to remember what your baptism was like, um, what was special about your baptism. So like I said, although the heavens did not break open for me and the voice of God did not come to me as a dove, but I've learned over the years that when I take time to pray, to slow down, to listen, that I hear a voice of love that reminds me of my true identity as God's beloved daughter. And that when I tune in to this voice, it whispers that I am a source of delight, that I am accepted by God, and that I am beloved. So this voice of love that I first started hearing with my baptism and have been trying to tune into since then, it assures me of who I am and whose I am, that I am God's daughter. This voice tells me, you are my daughter, the beloved. With you, Michelle, I am well pleased. So today we're going to explore Jesus's baptism and how and if we can participate in Jesus's baptism as well. So we'll go back to our verses, David, thank you. Hand, or round of a hand for David for doing my slides. Thank you, Dave. You're awesome. Um, like I said, our passage is only two verses, but it's a dramatic scene. One thing I find so interesting, oh, is we'll go back to the, yes, perfect. One thing I find interesting is if you see Jesus is being baptized along with everyone else. So it's all this whole long line to be baptized with all the other people. Jesus isn't special. He doesn't have, he's not trying to claim his VIP status. Imagine being in line to be baptized and Jesus, the son of God, is in line with you. I'd be like, Jesus, it's fine. You can go ahead of me. Um, but we see that Jesus just stands in solidarity with sinners. He's not trying to lord it over anyone. Um, I really noticed that as I was praying over this scripture this week, and that really spoke to me. Um, and also, what we'll see next is this verse, that not everything was happy and going well with this baptism. We find out um, a little bit of context. In the verse right before, John the Baptist is actually arrested by Herod, um, and this is a little bit of foreshadowing for what happens to Jesus later on. And so we see from Luke, from this context, that following God, following the ways of God, the kingdom of God, can get you in trouble and under Herod, um, it led to prison for John and eventually um, arrest and crucifixion for Jesus. So it's a bit sobering. And in the other um, accounts of this baptism, we see John the Baptist does baptize Jesus, but it's not clear um, in this Luke account. So we see that Jesus is baptized with everyone, and then I bolded this next verse, and was praying. So right after Jesus is baptized, we don't get much info about his baptism, but we see that he was praying. And in Luke's gospel, we see Jesus over and over again going away from the crowds. He's like, I'm going to get on a boat. I'm going to get away from all these people. And he's praying, and he's with God, and he's communing with God. And so we see that over and over again in Luke. And so we see after he's praying, it's very significant, the heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. I'm so curious as to what that actually looked like. 
Um, and this voice came and said to Jesus, you are my son, and in you I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. So how incredible is that? Just imagine the entire heavens breaking open. I wonder how special and treasured Jesus must have felt um, for this to happen to him in front of everyone, to have the whole heavens open up. And I wonder how important this message was for Jesus to hear, for the entire heavens to be broken open, for this to happen. And I wonder why did God choose this particular time to claim Jesus, to say who Jesus was? Why this particular time? Was it because Jesus was rocking his ministry, healing people, stumping the Pharisees, preaching amazing sermons, volunteering in the synagogue? No. Jesus, at 33, he had not even started his ministry. He had not even turned water into wine yet. He hadn't even gotten that party started. He was just himself. And so I love that the blessing from God comes before Jesus achieved anything, did anything, earned anything. This blessing was just saying, Jesus, this is who you are in God. Um, and so I think that's very significant and good news for us. So this blessing, like I said, is spoken over Jesus, not for what he had done, but for who he was. And so as I was preparing for this morning, I was wanting to know, God, am I a part of this baptism? Is everyone at Living Spring, are we a part of Jesus' baptism? And if so, how do we join? Do we, with Jesus, get to hear this voice of God coming to us and saying, that we are beloved and that God is pleased with us no matter what we have done or not done. And so as I was praying, I of course felt God say, yes, Michelle, you through Jesus are God's beloved daughter. And through Jesus, I call everyone who calls on me beloved sons and daughters. And Paul in his letter to the Romans in chapter 18, verses 14 through 17, confirms this and says, and it's up here, for you all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we're also reminded, the verse goes like this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So we too are called children of God, through this process of adoption in Jesus, we are part of God's family too. Jesus immersed himself in scandal and shame and repentance, went to the cross and rose again so that we too can hear this voice calling our name, this voice from heaven, the only voice that can really tell us who we are and whose we are. Father Gregory Boyle, I've talked about him a few times in here, because one of my favorite books um, is a book called Tattoos on the Heart, and he's the founder of Homeboy Industries, which is the largest gang intervention program in the country. And he talks about how we have these 
really tiny conceptions of God, when God is so much greater than we could imagine, we put him in these small boxes. Um, And so I'm going to read a quote that talks about this. But Father G says, part of the tininess that we have of God is our overactive disapproval glands. We expect God to be like us. Um, Maybe if we struggle with perfectionism, God is always wanting perfection from us. Or we think God is always waiting for us to mess up or that we have to do all these things um, to please God. So we're kind of chained by our overactive disapproval glands. Instead, Boyle writes, um, talking about Jesus' baptism, Behold the one beholding you and smiling. God would seem to be too occupied and being unable to take God's eyes off of us to spend any time raising an eyebrow in disapproval. And what's true of Jesus is true for us. And so this voice breaks through the clouds and comes straight at us. You are my beloved, in whom I am wonderfully pleased. There is not much tiny in that. So in our baptism and through our adoption in Christ, that same voice that came to Jesus comes to us and says, You are my beloved son, Gary. All the Garys. There's like four Garys here. (laughs) You are my beloved daughter, Barbara. My beloved daughter, Katie. My beloved daughter, Janine. My beloved son, Ray. And when we rise from the waters of baptism, we too are named God's beloved sons and daughters. And this is incredible news. In a world filled with all kinds of competing voices that want to lie to us, to shame us, to keep us stuck, to keep us in our shame, Christ gives us a new identity, and it's all pure gift and all pure grace. Paul says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, even then. Through the prophet Isaiah, God proclaims over his people, you are my beloved, gifted by my spirit, called and sent to join me at work in the world. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. You are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Do not fear, for I am with you. So if you want to look that up later, that was the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 5. And that was God speaking over his beloved people, Israel. So why does this matter? Listening to this voice of love and believing it in the depths of our being gives us a new and true identity that makes all the difference in our life and calling. And receiving this identity doesn't happen once um, when we know Jesus for the first time, but it's actually a lifelong journey of sanctification where we grow deeper and deeper in this knowledge. Um, And that's why we need each other along the way to help us really understand this truth um, in a deeper way. So now we'll get to this question. How do we see this playing out in Jesus' life? So in Luke 4, the next slide, this is the chapter right after his baptism, we discover there's not much of a break for Jesus. He receives this identity, and then the Spirit brings him to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And the text very obviously puts it, Jesus is hungry. So then we see that the devil comes to Jesus in this weakened state and tries to get him to question his identity, to renounce who he is as the true son of God. And the devil says, 
if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. So Henry Nouwen talks about how the devil is tempting Jesus to be relevant, to be powerful, to be successful. All things that would make him prove who he is rather than receiving his baptismal identity as the son of God. But in the desert, Jesus refuses to listen to the voice of the enemy and he owns his true identity through scripture and through remaining in his truth as God's beloved son. He knows that God is pleased with him and he resists the, the temptation to find his identity elsewhere because he is deeply rooted in God's love and regard for him. And he doesn't have to compulsively fight to prove himself based on what he does or who he knows or what he has or who he controls. Jesus instead decides to live every moment in relationship with God and confident in the love and delight of his father. God's proclamation at his baptism, God breaking through the heavens and declaring, you are my beloved son in who I am well pleased. This brings Jesus through the desert and through all the trials of his ministry on earth. Do we, like Jesus, know deep in our hearts, in our bones, that we are God's beloved children, God's beloved sons and daughters, called to proclaim love and goodness in the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but unlike Jesus, I often find it hard to slow down enough, to quiet myself enough, to shut out the other voices and to truly listen and believe in God's voice of love and mercy amidst a cacophony of voices convincing me otherwise. We have an enemy who we saw earlier in Luke 4 whose main weapon is to convince us of lies about who we are and who God is. And I confess sometimes I let the enemy win more often than not. Henry Nouwen, a priest and theologian, in his book, Life of the Beloved, writes, which is a long quote, but we can do this, my tendencies towards self-rejection and self-depreciation make it hard to hear these words, and he's talking about the words, you are beloved, make it hard to hear these words truly and to let them descend into the center of my heart. But once I receive these words fully, I am set free from my compulsion to prove myself to the world and can live in the world without belonging to it. Once I have accepted the truth that I am God's beloved child, unconditionally loved, I can be sent into the world to speak and to act as Jesus did. In a way, hearing that Henry Nouwen, who wrote 20 books on Christian spirituality, he was like the expert, Hearing that he struggles with this too is comforting to me personally because um, it reminds me that I'm not alone and that God's ways of mercy and love and unconditional love are not our ways. Our culture is radically different. Our culture and our inner critics were steeped in shame. And so Isaiah 55, I think John has preached from this verse a few times in the past couple of weeks, but I wanted to highlight the context. So there, this is the verse, you might have heard it growing up, God's ways are not our ways, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, but the context of this verse is talking about how God's mercy and unconditional love 
are so different than our human ways. So the context is the prophet saying, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So the way of mercy and unconditional love, these are not our ways, but these are God's ways. God is at work on this higher level, this plane, where mercy and unconditional love and abundant grace reign. Um, I just thought that was so cool. I think I discovered the context of that verse for the first time um, these past few months, that the ways that are not our ways are those ways of mercy and forgiveness. Um, so that really impacted me this week. So our world might operate out of shame and these compulsions to prove ourselves, to make ourselves worthy, to make ourselves count. But again, thank goodness, God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are higher. God's ways are ways of unconditional love. So this, as I said, I'm going to say it again, this is good news. While we were sinners in Christ, God showed his unconditional love for us when Christ died for us. And in Christ, we are able to hear the good news of our belovedness. And this frees us and empowers us to live from our true identities, wonderfully and dearly loved, with nothing to prove or achieve on our own. This good word and true word from heaven allows us to say no, to silence the lies of the enemy who tries to bring us to the desert to tempt us to say, that's not who you are, that's not your real identity. And instead to say yes and to receive the calling and the identity that Jesus has given us, rooted and grounded in his extravagant, radical love for us. A small story that I think um, exemplifies what this looks like on a small scale to receive and discover afresh God's belovedness um, comes from the book I was talking about earlier, Tattoos on the Heart. So if you haven't read, read it before, I recommend it. Um, but it's filled with all of these vignettes about Father Boyle and his work um, in this gang inter intervention program and his relationships that he builds, um, as he says, with homies and homegirls. And there's just a lot um, of ways that his relationships with those at the margins reveals the heart of God um, and how God, and the no matter whatness of God he talks about, that God's love... Um, is so vast and so expansive. So I'm gonna read a little part of it. Well, I'll wait and I'll give a little context. So this story is called Willie's Story. And um, a little context in the book, Father G talks about he's really tired, he's at the end of his day, long day at church, he just wants to go home. And then Willie like knocks on his door um, and wants some money for food. And then so Father G describes Willie as a life, whoops, a life force of braggadocio and posturing, a thoroughly good soul, but his confidence is outsized, that of a lion wanting you to know that he just swallowed a man whole. A charmer, quintessential, homie con man who's apt to coax money out of your ATM if you let him. So he convinces Father G to help him out with some money for food, and so Father G doesn't have money, but they drive together to the ATM. Father G gets out of the car, goes to get the money, and Willie wants to turn on the radio, and instead, um, Father G's like, just pray. And so, this is what happens when Father G returns to the car. So he says, 
I return to the car, $20 in hand, and get in. Something has happened here. Willie is quiet, reflective, and there's a palpable sense of peace in the vehicle. I look at Willie and say, you prayed, didn't you? He doesn't look at me. He's still and quiet. Yeah, I did. I start the car. Well, what did God say to you? Well, first he said, shut up and listen. So what'd you do? Come on, G, what am I supposed to do? I shut up and listened. I begin to drive him home to the barrio. I've never seen Willie like this. He's quiet and humble. No need to convince me of anything or talk me out of something else. So son, tell me something, I ask. How do you see God? God, he says, that's my dog right there. For the homies, dog means the one you can rely on, the roll dog, the one who's got your back. And God, I ask, how does God see you? Willie doesn't answer at first. So I turn and watch as he rests his head on the recliner, staring at the ceiling of my car. A tear falls down his cheek, heart full, eyes overflowing. God thinks I'm ferme. To the homies, ferme means could not be one bit better. Not only does God think we're ferme, it is God's joy to have us marinate in that. So I don't know about you guys, but I just love this story because to me it just shows how when we slow down, when we take time to pray and to hear what God says about us, no matter what other people might say, no matter what voices have told us in the past, um, God wants to shower us with his love. God wants to show us the truth, um, no matter who we are or who the world might think we are. Um, so God thinks we're ferme and could not be one bit better. So although the heavens dramatically break open for Jesus at his baptism to proclaim his identity as God's beloved son, we see that Jesus returns again and again to his father to commune with him, to recenter in this identity, to remember afresh who he is and whose he is. He was constantly taking the time and space away from the crowds to marinate in his true identity as God's beloved son. And only then was he able to go out and to do all the things that Jesus did. So sometimes I can be a practical person. I mean, sometimes I'm up here, but I also like to be practical. So how do we, as Christians, people who love Jesus are following him, how do we marinate, how do we grow deeper in our identities as God's beloved sons and daughters? A lot of you are experts at this and can be teaching me, um, but I just want to offer a few suggestions. Like Jesus modeled and like Willie modeled, we can simply pray. We can listen to what God has to say about us and receive it as truth. So some practical ways we can do this. I don't know if it was just a ministry I was at before, if this is actually a thing, but we called it soaking prayer. And so sometimes we would open up the sanctuary and we would just play worship music and we would all just lie on the floor and just receive God's love. We wouldn't have to do anything, produce anything, say anything. It was simply an act of receiving. So you don't have to come to church to do that. You could do that at home or on your way to work. Um, just soak in God's love. 
Um, you don't have to bring anything. You don't have to offer anything. You can simply be, um, be who you are before God and ask God to pour out his love and his mercy on you. Um, another way I found helpful is you hear a lot these days, which is so important, about breathing. Because um, breathing actually physiologically slows our bodies down, quiets our minds, allows us to better tune in to God. Um, so one way I found really helpful, it's called breath prayer. And so when you breathe in, you, for example, I'll say, um, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy on my exhale. And so you can pick, you can even ask God what phrases he wants you to use, but you can pick um, just two phrases and make that into a breath prayer. And it not only physiologically um, helps your body and does good stuff, but it helps you really tune in um, to God in a deeper way. Um, Gary Blay right there. Gary has coffee with Jesus in the morning. Um, and Gary reads a bunch of scripture, which you can do, but you can also just have coffee, have tea, whatever, and just invite Jesus to be there with you, um, to be present, and just receive, receive what he has to say to you, receive his love um, for you. You can memorize scripture. Um, in a little bit, I'm going to be just praying scripture over us. Um, so you could ask me later, and I can send you some of those scriptures. So you can memorize those scriptures to use when those lies are hitting you, and you can remember um, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then listening prayer is something that I found to be really fruitful, and that's believing that we have an interactive God, a God who is always communicating with us, a God who we're not just like speaking into a void at, but a God who listens and responds back. And so in that prayer, we can journal with God, we can ask God, God, how do you see me? Um, God, what's your favorite thing about me? Um, you can ask God questions. And that I found really fruitful um, to really root myself in who I am and how God sees me. Because um, our world and the enemy, he always wants to take us away from that. And then, drum roll everyone, we are launching a prayer room. Um, so I've talked with you, a few of you about it, and it's pretty intimidating because the slots are an hour long. But like I said, it's not you coming in and just like spewing thoughts at God for an hour, but I'll have lots of different ways for us to connect with God, to be with God, to really just receive God's love. And as we start this new year, I can't think of anything better um, than to take intentional time to slow down and to listen to what God has to say about us. Um, so on the next slide, you'll see another plug for that. And so you can contact me. I know a lot of you are working, so no worries, but if you're able... It's going to be 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m., and you can sign up for a slot, and I'll show you where the prayer room is, and there'll be lots of different manipulatives and ways to interact and receive God's love during that time. So as I've said, um, listening to God's voice, um, especially in this new year when there's so many other voices, is crucial for us to be able to live in our true identity and to offer God's love to the world and to call out the belovedness in others. Um, so what we're going to do as we close is I'm going to invite Ray up, um, just Ray for now, and he's going to play a little bit of instrumental music, and I am going to, I invite you this time as your own. Um, we don't always get a lot of time to slow down, but I invite you to just use this time however you wish, whether you want to listen as I um, proclaim scriptures of God's love over us, or if you want to just pray and journal on your own, you're welcome to do that too. 
but Ray's going to play some instrumental music, and I just invite you um, to rest and to receive and to see what God might have for you um, during this time. And so I'm going to open us in prayer, and I invite you, you can close your eyes um, and just, yeah, be open to however God wants to meet you. Again, you can listen as I read the scriptures of God's love over us, or um, you can ask and dialogue with God on your own. So this space is yours. Welcome. So God, we thank you that we are your children. Um, we anoint this time and we separate this time as holy for us to come and to receive your love in a deeper way, God. So be with us. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Amen. So this is a love letter from God. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. 
He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son, Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you.